Welcome everyone. It's so lovely to have you here tonight. Um, my name is Gemma Bolton. I'm an NEC member um, and I'm pleased to welcome you to this event entitled Labour Conference Report Back and Next Steps Discussion. Um, and this this event is hosted by Arise, a festival of Labour's left ideas, and it's been supported by a range of left organisations, campaigns and publications. And many thanks to everyone for coming along tonight. So today's event uh, is a culmination of now some 30 months of online events, uh, forums, rallies and more that have been hosted and streamed. And we're looking forward to both online and physical events going forward, starting with uh, what was such a successful fringe event at Labour Conference a few weeks ago uh, and now this discussion tonight. So we all know that the Tories have had one of the worst and most reactionary responses in the world to the coronavirus pandemic. And now they're set to further restructure the economy in the interest of the super rich and with a massive new wave of austerity. There are, though, there are those facing a massive wave of resistance, though. We're seeing strikes, uh, a burgeoning enough is enough movement. Uh, there's uh, protest groups like People's Assembly and direct action like Don't Pay and climate justice movements and so much more. And the Tories are trailing in the polls now, too. So such a prospect means that Labour must rise to the challenges ahead, including in terms of backing those people in struggle to defeat the Tories' agenda right now, and in terms of putting forward popular and transformative policies that can change the country for the better. And so the purpose of the event tonight is to both review conference, including the important victories that we on the left had on numerous policy issues, as well as the setbacks we faced on, uh, on other matters. Um, and start that discussion on our strategy and what next steps going forward. And as I mentioned as well, as the fight uh, for democracy in our party, part of this was also providing the policy solutions put forward to the crises that we face um, in modern day and, of course, taking that fight to the Tories. So please also donate at the link provided so Arise can continue hosting these important events and support other campaigns and links that are going to be put in the chat throughout the event. Um, please also note that captions are enabled on the Facebook stream if you need that. Uh, and we will have 10 minutes from each of our speakers, then a round of questions. So please do post your questions in the Q&A function on Zoom. And then we'll have uh, some answers and some summing up from that. So our, without further ado, our first speaker um, is the Member of Parliament for Leeds East and is um, was under Corbyn, our Shadow Justice Secretary, and is an absolute stalwart of the left that so many of us have so much time for. So, um, Richard Bergen, how did you find Labour Party Conference? Well, thanks very much, Gemma, and thanks for uh, introducing me as a stalwart of the left. That's usually a euphemism for being old and having been around uh, a long time. I'll, I'll settle for middle-aged person uh, of the left, that's fine. But... Great to see you, Gemma. Great to see everybody on this uh, call. And, and thanks to uh, Gemma for doing such a, a great job on the NEC and continuing to do such a great job on the NEC and encouraging other people to stick with it uh, and stay involved and fight for transformative socialist uh, policies. That's really crucial. So thanks for everything you do, Gemma. I know it's not always easy. Uh, and that the context isn't always one that's particularly uh, welcoming uh, or friendly towards the left. So thanks you do thanks for, for what you do for all uh, members uh, in your capacity on the NEC. Also great to be here with uh, Rachel Garnham and CLPD, uh, wh whom, of course, Rachel is a leading light of, uh, did a fantastic job in conference and always do a fantastic job 
uh, helping delegates and members to navigate through the labyrinthine um, kind of a complex uh, network that uh, conference and the conference order paper is. And I think CLPD, uh, Rachel Mullers have a, uh, an absolutely vital role to play. And finally, um, great to be on an Arise event. So thanks to Matt Wilgress and the team for uh, putting this on, because it's important that we look forward. They do say that a week's a long time in politics, but last week was really uh, era defining. So I'm not going to focus too much on what happened at Labour Party conference, so much as what's happened since Labour Party conference. And I know that Rachel's focus will be uh, on much of the detail of what happened at conference, and that's vital. But I want to focus on where we are at now and what we need to be doing as a party right now uh, and into the next uh, general election. So what we've seen uh, over the last week really does have echoes of Black Wednesday back in 1992. That led to a collapse in trust with the Labour Party, on the, uh, on, with the Tory party, uh, on the economy, and later the Tories' political collapse and our party's 1997 landslide. So whatever electoral gains this crisis leads to for our party, of course, we take no pleasure because through this crisis, the Tories are unleashing a huge attack on living standards. Mortgage rate hikes will leave many not able to keep their homes and will leave many facing much bigger costs to do so. And further austerity, which we see being planned and threatened, will kill off many of our services, which are already on their knees. And in my constituency and across the country, people are struggling more than ever before. I visited uh, a uh, food bank in my constituency early this week, and they were explained to me that uh, in the last month, uh, the uh, referrals have actually doubled. That's the kind of situation uh, that we've got uh, out there. And unfortunately, it's going to get much, much worse. And that's where we come in, because we need to be arguing for action now to protect people now and help people through this cost of living emergency, which is taking place now. Of course, we need to boot out the tours of the next election. And it's fantastic that we're so far ahead in the opinion polls. We need that Labour government and we need to all play our role in ensuring that that Labour government, uh, if and when we get it in uh, the next general election, is truly transformative and doesn't miss the opportunity to really change this rigged, rotten system. But in the meantime, there's a huge amount of work to do uh, as well, because people are losing their jobs now, people are seeing the public services cut now, people are struggling to put food on the table now. We need to register with people. Why uh, this crisis has happened because Thatcherism 2.0 and Tory attempts to slash taxes for the rich and imposing this wretched trickle down economics. This has driven this latest crisis. And even the financial markets know that the Tories' plans uh, are rubbish and won't lead uh, to, uh, to growth. So we've got a systemic crisis of their neoliberal model. Yet Liz Truss and her colleagues want to double down with a full-throated recommitment to neoliberalism. So what's the aim of their projects? I think we need to be clear about that. The aim of their project is quite simply to restructure the economy and turn the UK into a mini United States of America off the shores of Europe with low tax and poor public services, few regulations, or as we call them, protections and soaring inequality. In other words, what trusts and the Tories are preparing is to wage a new war on the working class after 10 years of austerity, after COVID. And to illustrate 
how their turbocharged neoliberalism will actually work in reality. I just don't want to take a minute to look at remaining tax cuts that they are still planning. So the remaining Tory tax cuts amount to £43 billion per year, even after the U-turn on the 45% tax rate. The richest are still going to gain almost 40 times more from Tory tax cuts than poorer households. That's £3,500 for someone in the richest 5% and just £40 for someone in the poorest fifth of the population. And that's just on income taxes. But there are more reactionary measures in addition, of course, still in place is the £19 billion of corporation tax cuts for the largest profitable businesses. Still in place is the £1 billion tax cuts on income from share dividends, which goes to the very wealthiest. And now the Tories are wanting to make the poorest pay for these tax cuts by imposing even more pain on the poorest through real-term cuts to benefits and through austerity. And on the issue of benefits or social security, uh, I was one of just 12 or 13 MPs to vote for real inflation rises early this year. But now many Tory MPs say that they're backing that too. Good. We need to exploit divisions in the Tory ranks and drive this victory through to the benefits of millions of people across the country. On austerity, we need to be clear that the Tories are planning a really dishonest trick They're saying that they'll keep the spending envelope for each department. What that means, in reality, is the amount of cash stays the same. But with inflation soaring, public services face further cuts of up to £18 billion per year. So that's what the Tories want to do. But the week of crisis has shown to millions of people that this model spells disaster for ordinary people. And there's growing opposition to this approach from Truss and the Tories growing opposition from our trade unions, from social movements, and we can make this crisis now the graveyard of neoliberalism. So what does our party need to do? The first thing is, as I mentioned before, the crisis is now, so we need to stand with people now. Wonderful that we're so far ahead in the polls and that a majority Labour government would be guaranteed if the general election were tomorrow. But the election isn't tomorrow, it could be two years away. So we need to do everything to side with people now, Because as I say, wages are falling now, benefits are being cut now, services are being hollowed out further now. Our society could look very much worse in two years if the Tories allow uh, or are allowed to drive through uh, their awful vision. So as a party, we have to stand shoulder to shoulder with those taking action, with those fighting back. And I, as Labour MP, have been proud to support the striking workers. And I think we need to build support across the whole Labour movement for them, because every time a strike succeeds, that's part of the fight back. Every time a trade union in dispute wins, all workers win, because this wave of strike action really can be the rising tide that lifts all boats. So as a party, we need to force the Tories to drop as much of their harmful policy agenda as possible. And so where Labour's offered a strong lead, from the windfall tax to energy price freezes, we've actually, as a party, forced the Tory government into significant policy changes. We need much, much more of that. Thatcher famously said, this lady is not for turning. Well, we know that trust is for turning. We have to do everything possible to force U-turn after U-turn after U-turn from this Tory government. So by the end, uh, she uh, is dizzy from all that U-turning. So if Labour stands shoulder to shoulder now 
by really taking the fight to the Tories, that can make a huge difference to people's lives. And that's what we all got into politics to do. That's the most important thing. And doing it can help us show that million, show millions of people that Labour has got their backs. It can consolidate our poll lead. On the other hand, if we give the impression that we're turning our backs on people who are fighting back, for example, turning our back on workers on strike, it can send the wrong message to millions of people. It's important that we're never complacent because of the powers that be in the right-wing newspapers and elsewhere get a chance to stop a Labour government. They certainly will. And every attack we defeat now is something that we won't have to reverse in government. And we can focus in government on not just undoing the damage, but on building a better society. And of course, just a quick word on something that's very important, the need to combat scapegoating, because taking on the Tories means challenging head-on every Tory smear. To deflect from the real agenda, we can expect a new wave of scapegoating migrants, a new wave of scapegoating those on benefits. We can expect more divide and rule of private sector and public sector workers and more social reaction from the Tories dressed up as a so-called war on woke uh, or you know, dismissing uh, progressive campaigns and progressive sections of our society as the anti-growth uh, coalition. And I was concerned by shadow cabinet remarks this week on the need to deport more people. That's not the narrative we should go down. That's not the path that we should go down. It's morally wrong, in my opinion, and also uh, will not help us build the coalition of forces that we need to win and truly transform society. A second thing, a vision for the future. We really do need to seize hold of this moment. We really do need to begin to spell out how a Labour government is going to do things differently. That means using this crisis to explain why and how we'd build a fundamentally different country. That means, in my view, stepping up our policy agenda. We need to use the next two years to spell out what we will be doing. We can't just reveal our policies late on in the general election campaign. So we've seen some welcome steps forward at the conference, as Gemma mentioned, with the publicly owned energy company, rail nationalisation, and the greater emphasis on council houses, and also lifting the ban on new municipal bus companies. But these must only be the very first steps. We need a policy agenda that meets the challenge of the scale of this crisis. And there are no shortage of very popular, practical left policies. It's a whole range of them. Public ownership of energy and other utilities, a £15 an hour minimum wage, rent freezes, wealth taxes on the super rich that could help fund devastated public services and tackle the deep inequalities that really scar and damage our society. And that even the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, uh, argue undermine the economy. And many of these policies, we shouldn't forget, have strong support in the polls, including from Tory voters. So to conclude, as I said at the start, the period we're now moving through is era-defining. We've got a systemic crisis of their neoliberal model. And I think that we can say that we had the post-war model, which lasted more or less 30 to 40 years, from 1945 to 1979. Then we had a period where neoliberal ideas dominated, and that lasted around 40 years, from 1979 it's coming to an end. That era is coming to an end. And this is the moment. This is the moment for our party, for Labour, to step forward with a different vision. Because people are exhausted by this model that serves only the 99%. If we win the next general election, we'll inherit a very weak economy and an increasingly creaking world system. 
if it's to deliver for the 99%, then we can't just, as a government, tinker around the edges. The next Labour government needs to be bold. That's essential. <clears throat> so now is the time to really lay out a wider vision of how we will transform society in office. Real hope, rebuilding those areas, decimated, not just over the last decade, but actually over the last 40 years when neoliberal ideas have dominated. The more we put forward a real alternative to this broken model over the coming months, the better chance we have of stopping Truss's agenda in its tracks and the better chance we've got of ensuring that as many Tory MPs as possible are booted out at the next general election. So there's a lot for us to do. We need to work together to do it, to win the next general, yes, the next general election, yes, and to ensure that if and when we win that next general election, it's a transformative Labour government, but in the meantime, to fight each and every single Tory attack, to defeat their attacks on people now, so that we can help people now and lay the path for a Labour government that needs to be and can be, with our help, truly transformative. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Richard. That was brilliant. And I promise in calling you a stalwart, I was not calling you old but reliable in you know, your <laughs> solidarity and socialism, which the Parliamentary Labour Party could often use uh, so much more of. So thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, and our next speaker, I've had the privilege of working with for a number of years now. Um, she's a former NEC member and has such an incredible knowledge of our party and its rule book that I'm always in awe of. So um, she's also vice chair of the Campaign for Labour Party Democracy. Welcome, Rachel Barnum. Thanks, Gemma. And um, thanks to Arise for inviting me to speak. I want to talk about a little bit about the context of a conference, which Richard's covered so well. Um, but also I will go into a bit more detail about what, what happened at conference and, and where we go next as a, a left in the Labour Party from really quite a difficult situation. Um, and I'm probably going to talk quite quickly because um, there's a, a lot happened at conference, actually, um, which you may not have seen. And um, there is a lot to do coming out of it. So. Um, first, obviously, as Richard's outlined, the, the the conference took place in the wake of the Tories' disastrous mini-budget, another massive shift to the right, um, doubling down under Liz Truss on its um, the Tories' Americanisation of the economy, um, the unfunded tax cuts, massive instability, spiralling cost of living crisis, unsurprisingly, during Labour Party conference led to a massive surge in support for Labour, um, almost by virtue of, of not being the Tories. Um, and of course, we have a, a supine press for this particular Labour leadership who do not see them as a threat to the, the status quo. And that's brilliant because we desperately need a Labour government. And even led by Keir with all his inadequacies, a Labour government linked to the trade union movement, significant portion of MPs from the left and centre left who want to save the NHS, reduce child poverty and address the climate crisis would be a massive step forward. And, and as, as Richard's already said, you know, we need to um, work together to achieve that Labour government, but also to make it as transformative as possible. Um, and I've got no illusions in a potential Labour government, having lived through Blair's invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan, the introduction of tuition fees, etc. And it is that model of Labour government that Starmer's looking for, um, but we can put pressure on it. But it, it was the context for the conference where attuned to the polls, it meant there was a feeling among a section of delegates from the centre of the party that that now was not a good, now would be a good time to get behind the leadership, however much it, it was 
was uninspiring. Um, and I, I didn't pick up great enthusiasm from the sort of mostly contentless platitudes from the conference platform. Um, you know, the proposals that were on offer don't remotely address the scale of attack. Um, that was what was coming from the platform. What was coming from the floor of conference was a, a completely different matter. So, um, you know, for example, Starmer's GB Energy represents really a huge retreat on, on Labour's climate action policies in the 2019 manifesto, but the left has alternatives and we need to push for them. Um, and obviously it's good that the, the shadow cabinet understands that it would be less costly for the government if the rail network was renationalised, but the same is true of, of water and mail. Uh, yet the leadership appears to prioritise protecting the, the private sector in these areas. So that's that's another campaign to, to get behind. Second thing of note um, is that, you know, there really has been no let up to the vicious actions of the, the current bureaucracy who remain 100% focused on cracking down on the left. Um, so in the run up to conference, left delegates were expelled and excluded, um, sometimes in relation to tiny infringements applied retrospectively. So some of our best hardworking members, you know, put in hours for the party and, you know, once we're in a Facebook group with someone, someone found undesirable and, um, you know, they're out of the, the party. And it's a badge of shame, really, for NEC members who voted for retrospective prescription and um, a badge of honour for uh, Gemma and, and others who, you know, f keep fighting on that issue because members don't deserve to be treated like that. Um, we saw delegates failing security checks for no apparent reason. We saw two of the largest CLP delegations in the country from Tottenham and Hornsey and Wood Green excluded on a technicality with no right to appeal despite the best efforts of, of their officers. Um, and I think this exclusion on top of the ongoing exclusion of, you know, for example, just in my region, the, the large and diverse Luton and Peterborough CLPs re reinforces for me the serious issues the party has with institutional racism, which were highlighted in the Ford report, but I think go too often unchallenged. You know, why are these large and diverse CLPs so often not denied their right to elect representatives of their choice? Um, and have have that political representation. And obviously, going into conference, we had the politically motivated suspension of the newly elected NEC member Naomi Wimborne Adrissi, where it's you know it's very clear from the dubious timing that it's, this is about denying members a representative on the NEC who will defend Jewish activists being defamed and hounded by the party because of their support for Palestinian human rights and for Jeremy Corbyn. Um, Sorry, this is all a bit of a downer after Richard's up, uplifting speech, but it, you know, it's not a good, great time for the the left in the Labour Party, and we have to be realistic about that. Um, at conference, I was um, sitting next to a delegate who didn't appear on day two because she had challenged her fellow delegate for essentially stealing her CLP's ballot papers, apparently aided by regional staff. Um, so she was suspended just for that challenge, and then. A delegate appears to have um, essentially been suspended for criticising NATO and not aligning himself with the jingoism of the, the leadership in the debate on Ukraine. And it it really is absolutely chilling that people are being suspended for expressing views in a debate, um, not making any comment about what those views are because I don't want to be suspended myself. Um, and, you know, I think we do have to have a campaign around you know, the right to express different views in, in the Labour Party. So the, 
obviously this is the context for the conference where the attacks on the left on conference floor um were reflected in the votes so votes for the national constitutional committee where has fallen from 70 percent for the left in the clp section in 2019 to 49 percent last year to 29 percent this year um and i think given the demoralization and the cheating it's quite remarkable to still get 29 percent in the clp section when you know ballot papers will have gone to right wingers there were leaflets for the right wing candidate for labor to win candidates on the chairs in the conference hall which you know we got an announcement the next day that this was not allowed and would be cracked down on obviously the vote had already happened by then it was too late um so the 29 percent for left candidates in the election rose to 38 percent in the clp vote for the rule change that would have enabled jeremy corbyn to take part in his trigger ballot and return to his rightful status as a labor mp and 44 percent of clps voted for more say for clps in parliamentary selections so it is possible to reach out beyond the solid left and that's what we need to continue to try to do to defend basic democratic rights um small positive from the rule change debate was the passing of two rule changes coming from labor's national women's committee and women's conference which will make it easier to organise women locally and make the conference more representative. They're not earth shattering, but it is a sort of proof of concept that equality structures can make their own rules, have a positive impact and we need to defend and build on. And we do need to keep campaigning to make sure, you know, we actually get a women's conference next year and that the promised disabled um, members conference and black, Asian and minority ethnic member conference and committees do actually happen. We passed them um, in a rule change last year still no sign of them but diana holland did give the commitment that they were in the budget for next year so let's make sure they happen um finally on rule changes it's worth noting that we'll once again have to wait a whole year for our rule changes there will be no clp rule changes next year and next year the clcac clp places will be elected by conference not by omov as previously so it will make it much easier for the right to remove us sitting CLP reps, Billy Hayes and Seema Chandwani, who have done a really good job in difficult circumstances and getting motions, rule changes onto the agenda and generally making the CAC a bit more democratic than the leadership would like it to be. So our, our first action point really is actually to stay in their fight and get left delegates to conference next year to try and preserve some semblance of democracy and be ready to challenge regional officials choosing right wingers to give ballot papers to or allowing Labour to win leaflets to be given out in the hall and be there to vote for a democratic CAC. Um, so so far so terrible but my sort of final point is a more sort of optimistic one before I go into a, a list of things we can do um the trade union section at conference appeared to be more much more combative than last year and once again policy passed as we've said is much to the left of the of that espoused from the platform um support for Jeremy Jeremy's rule change, as we would call it, you know, justice for, for Jeremy, um, went up in the trade union section from 30% to 43%. And of course, this all reflects the industrial activity going on outside the party, um, which obviously is the sort of um, main action point that Richard's talked about. We, you know, arising from conference, we really need to link up locally and nationally with trade union struggles. Um, and it has been really great to see lots of CLP banners on picket lines, to see lots of Labour representatives, if not all our front benches, out supporting the strikes. These are going to be struggles that need mass support in the months ahead as the Tories try to introduce more, yet more draconian anti-union legislation. Bosses attempt to drive people back to work. 
and they cut across broad sections of the Labour Party and it really isolates the right wing with their neoliberal agenda in the Labour Party. The majority of Labour members and um, even our sort of elected representatives who we don't agree with on on everything understand that Labour is the party of Labour and that terms and conditions um, of, of ordinary people matter. Um, and these are campaigns that we can not only take into our CLPs, but also into our regional Labour conferences and the National Policy Forum, which may well be given a new lease of life now that most of the left, left have been kicked out. But we will be, you know, a CLP representatives there working with the trade unions to actually um, make the case. And, you know, as soon as this is finished, I'm going to rush off to a meeting where we're going to have a, a local speaker um, from our Unite Bus Workers branch who've, you know, recently won a pay rise and, you know, we can be doing this in CLPs um, everywhere. Um, a further action point is to do our very best to defend our left MPs like Ian Byrne and Sam Tarry being targeted for deselection, in particular, of course, Apsana Begum, where we really need to continue to highlight the horrendous way she's been treated, um, again, demonstrating that misogyny and racism are, are thriving in Labour's current bureaucracy. Um, and we need to ensure that Ford is not forgotten. And we work with groups leading the way on this, such as Labour Black Socialists, Disability Labour and Jewish Voice for Labour. And that's what um, Campaign for Labour Party Democracy will be doing. So I'll, I'll just sort of finish on this. I, I think it is very difficult, but I was actually heartened again by conference, seeing great comrades, old and new, from the trade unions, from the CLPs, in the campaign group, still fighting for socialism, for peace and justice. We know that only the left has the answers to the current crises. And despite the attacks of recent years on Jeremy and on our movement, there are still more socialists organising in the Labour Party, fighting for a better world and for a better Labour Party than I see anywhere else. And there's, you know, we need to keep effectively organising and let the fight go on. Thanks. Thanks, Rachel. And I totally agree. Like, despite what like losses there were at conference, like seeing so many comrades still fighting in the party and being together just felt it felt still completely amazing to just like to get to see everybody. Um, I'm just looking at we've had loads and loads of questions come in tonight. So thank you so much to everybody who's put your questions and thoughts in the chat. Uh, I'm gonna take four of them and we're gonna respond and then uh, we'll see how much time we've got left. But Press through the mean quite fastly. So the first question um, is just for you, Rachel. It says, uh, it's from someone Hillary. It says, as an expert on the Labour Party rulebook, is it possible to raise in the NEC the non-stop violation of the rules in order to purge the party of left-wing members? And then I've got a question here. It says, um, how can we protect people in this country um, from Tory austerity? There were three, uh, 340,000 excess deaths during the last Tory pre-COVID austerity period. And then I've got, um, can speakers explain why we should stay in Labour and what we can do to fight for socialism in the party when Starmer's backtracking on the policy agenda and shutting down space for debate for the left in the party? The last question is, the Conservatives have arguably shifted right on migration, at least rhetorically, under Suella Braverman. How can Labour compare announcements on migration? How can Labour's conference announcements on migration compare? So I've taken a few all at once, but I think that's better for time. Um, I'll let you note them down first. I can put, I can send them to you if need be. Whilst, you, whilst you're noting those down and like having to think about responses to quite a few questions, both of you, I'm going to just bring in Sam from Arise just to say a few words. Sam. 
Hello, comrades. It's great to see so many people on the call. Uh, I've just got a couple of things to announce. Uh, my name's Sam. I'm a volunteer with the RISE Festival. Um, the first thing I want to talk to you about is donating. Uh, so throughout the discussion so far, you'll have seen um, a donate link posted in the chat. Please, please donate. We're, we're funded by donations. That's how we that's how we get by. Um, so that's the first thing. Please donate. Um, there you go. The, the link just been posted just now. The second thing is on December the 10th, uh, we will be having our first uh, in-person conference in a long time uh, since the uh, since the lockdown. And it'd be absolutely fantastic if we can make it. It's called Solidarity, Struggle, Socialism. Uh, we'll have MPs such as John McDonnell, uh, Nadia Whittam, the fantastic Richard Bergen too, uh, will be there, I'm told. Uh, campaigners such as NHS Workers Say No, uh, Debt Justice, Stand Up to Racism, um, trade unionists such as Sarah Woolley and Mick Whelan and many many more campaigners, activists, MPs, politicians from across our movement and internationally um, so that's going to be a really really fantastic conference hopefully um, you can register for it um, someone's just posted the link for registration in the chat and like I say that's in person I'm really looking forward to that there'll be some really high level discussion there to get your teeth into. Um, finally I've said it. I've said it already. But um, the only way we can put on these meetings, the only way we can put on kind of conferences and forums for discussion, for taking the left forward, for organising not just out on the picket lines, but politically and um, organising what our demands for, is is through your donations. That's the only way that we can uh, we can put on events like this, or that we can put on kind of great conferences like the one we've got planned in December. So please do donate um, what you can. The links in the chat. Um, and I look forward to seeing you at many more events like this um, and at our conference on the 10th of December. Uh, see you around in solidarity. Thanks so much, Sam. And I'm really looking forward to, to the conference, especially at Big and Person. It's such a great atmosphere. Um, I'm going to bring um, Richard back first, if you're ready, just to, to address some of those questions. Richard. Great. Well, it's nice to hear some virtual buckets rattling from Sam there. No one uh, rattles a bucket, either literal or virtual, better than him. So that's a good. Uh, so well done, Sam, on that. In terms of the questions, thanks to those. I know the first one's for uh, Rachel specifically. Uh, as for the others, uh, one of them is, uh, why should we uh, stay uh, in Labour? Well, I think Rachel's speech explained why people should uh, remain in Labour, uh, really. Um, the reality is that... The Labour Party, uh, a bit like the trade unions, uh, is the you know is the creation of the working class in Britain, and it's a contested space. And just as trade union leaderships have sometimes been left, sometimes been right, that's the same in the Labour Party's history as well. And, and a leadership that doesn't look as favourable as it should on the left is sadly uh, not an unprecedented situation in the Labour Party's history. And so I think it's really important that we stay in the party. And I know that politics isn't just about MPs, but we heard uh, Rachel earlier mention MPs like uh, Ian Byrne, uh, like um, Apsana Begum and like Sam Tarrant. Of course, there are many others, for example, in the Socialist Campaign Group uh, as well. Uh, but those uh, three in particular have been under, under attack in relation to their candidacies uh, their trigger ballots uh, to be candidates at the next uh, election. You know, the truth is, if you think there is some value to the work that MPs uh, like Apsana 
uh, like Zara, like John McDonnell, like Dan Abbotts, like Ian Lavery, like Ian Byrne and others do, you think there's some value to their work politically, then the only way to ensure that we still have MPs with those socialist politics who will stand shoulder to shoulder with workers in struggle, the only way to ensure they can continue being MPs and doing that role uh, is to remain uh, within the Labour Party. And the history of the Labour Party uh, can make for a depressing read. People forget that Anaron Bevan was expelled whilst an MP from the Labour Party. He later became a shadow cabinet member, shadow secretary of state for health and housing and created the NHS and built so many hundreds of thousands of council houses. People often forget that Michael Foote got expelled from the Labour Party and later became Labour leader. And I'm afraid that Labour leadership's uh, not uh, standing shoulder to shoulder with workers in struggle isn't unprecedented. Just remember the betrayal of the miners in 1984 to 85 uh, by Kinnock and also by the TUC, actually. Now, Rachel mentioned earlier as well, you know, Blair and the Iraq war. So you might be thinking, why am I laying out all these kind of depressing uh, precedents from history as part of an argument that you should stay in the Labour Party? My argument has always been understand that the Labour Party has rarely been the socialist led party, but it's always been, as Tony Benn said, a party with socialists in it. It's the, the political party with more socialists in it than any other micro party. It's the only party that commands the support of many millions of working class people and can take state power. Now, tweeting what I think is great fun sometimes, I understand that, but I want to be involved in politics, and this was the same when I was a member, um, uh, just a member and, and, and hadn't been yet selected, and a slim, you know, member now and an activist, but looking enough to be an MP, so let's the members. I wanted to be involved in the Labour Party because the Labour Party can get into government and can change lives, and I think that's the, uh, the important thing. Things have been rough for socialists in the past in the Labour Party, and people like Jeremy, like Dan Abbott, like John McDonnell and others, stuck with it. It is because they did, and many, many tens of thousands of left members stayed as well, that we got left candidates selected and elected in the 2015 general election, who then got a left leader, Jeremy, on the ballot paper, a left leader who was then uh, elected and we came close to being able to form a government in 2017. So I understand when individuals uh, give up, you know, life's complex, life's hard and people's political involvement varies uh, but I think it's really important that we encourage each other and support each other I think the place for every single socialist is in every single struggle in the Labour Party on the picket line on the protest in the local community group in the local tenants association it's not a choice between the Labour Party and other stuff it's between the Labour Party uh, and uh, other uh, organisations as well we need to be involved in all of uh, these things so I know that's a long answer but I think it's really important I totally understand that people feel demoralized I don't in any way um, underestimate how badly left members uh, feel about the way they and their politics uh, have been treated but I don't think that leaving the party is the answer and I'll just finish this and I know it's a long answer but it's an important really important question that's been asked I don't have any romantic delusions about the Labour Party. I've never romanticised it. I've never looked at it 
uh, through rose-tinted glasses. It's this imperfect thing, but it is ours, the creation, the imperfect creation of the working class in our country. I see it as analogous to a trade union, a contested space. Let's just imagine that in Unite the Union, rather than uh, one of the left candidates, Sharon being elected as General Secretary, the right-wing candidate, Gerard Coyne, had been elected as leader. Would anybody on this call think it would have been a sensible approach for the left-wingers in Unite to go, well, the left candidates didn't win this time, the right-wing candidate is now General Secretary of Unite the Union, Gerard Coyne. Uh, what should we do? I know we'll form our own new trade union tomorrow, It'll have nine or ten members to start with, but who knows in 50 or 60 years if we tweet and retweet enough, we might have a million members, honest, and might be able to rival Unite. That wouldn't be seen as a sensible, practical option by anybody serious on the left. What the left in a union would have done was to learn the lessons of that uh, hypothetical defeat and say, how do we organise to make sure that next time there's a leadership election in our union, a left candidate wins? And before then, let's do all we can to organise in our branches and at our trade union conference to ensure that we organise around uh, left policies. Other comrades in other countries have faced far greater uh, uh, odds than us and have been knocked about by the establishment for having socialist politics. If they can manage it where the consequences are so much greater, and if we properly support each other, I believe that we can uh, manage it too. Long answer, I'm sorry, but the answer is long because I really want people to stay in our party. I know things have been tough, but you can make uh, a difference. And every good thing that's done by a Labour MP, none of it could be possible without left members uh, staying in. And so if you like seeing left MPs on picket lines, it's because of you making left MPs possible that that happens. Thanks, Richard. I think I think people need to hear often an inspiring speech is to keep fighting on. And I, I think everyone could have used that tonight. So thank you. Uh, Rachel. Yeah, uh, follow that. Um, so um, there were four questions. So I'm going to sort of go briefly through um, each of them. So um, the first not in the right order, sorry, just the order. Um, I've written them down. Um, on migration, I think, um, and what Labour does there, I think Richard addressed this really well in his sort of opening remarks, but, you know, there is no room for mugs about immigration controls for, um, you know, a race to the bottom in terms of who can deport asylum seekers the fastest. It's, you know, not only completely morally repugnant, <laughs> it's um, not, not going to do the Labour Party. It, any good in in terms of its electoral alliance and you know we should be um you know take a lead from when uh jeremy was leader and talk about the positive impacts of a multicultural society and of immigration about um you know the the need to provide safe haven to to live up to our international obligations in fact for um uh uh you know in in terms of um allowing asylum seekers in there's no such thing as an illegal asylum seeker and you know Labour should be stating this case um, I think the um, figures on the 2019 and 2017 um, elections and who voted showed you know massive massive support for the Labour Party amongst um, Black and Asian and minority ethnic members um, went up through you know significantly um, prior from when um, from 2015, because they saw a you know people saw a Labour Party that was on the side of 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 ordinary people, you know, across the working class, and who were willing to challenge um, 
racism and and not not try and and you're never going to out outdo the Tories in terms of attacking um, immigrants and asylum seekers. So um, I think Richard was was spot on and and um, and um, obviously um, you know following people like Diane Abbott and Bell Rivera Adi on on um, Twitter, they've you know always totally on point, and we should sort of amplify their voices as well. Um, defend. So there was a question about austerity, which I didn't quite get down, but um, I think you know we do, do need to be ready to um, fight austerity again to make the economic case for um, investment in um, a new green economy. But I think that will be done inside the Labour Party, but it will also be done outside the Labour Party, linking up forces in uh, across the movement. Um, you know, with the broadest possible alliance to sort of defend the NHS, for example, to, to defend um, benefits. And that that will have mass support, not just from within the Labour Party, but within other parties from, um, you know, community organisations, religious organisations, voluntary organisations. And we need to make sure that we're at the heart of and, and um, obviously trade unions. And we, we need to make sure that we're at the heart of, of those campaigns and that that may be against that will be against the Tory government, but it will also need to be brought into the Labour Party to get our Labour leadership in a in a better position. And I'm sure that actually the majority of the Labour movement um, knows that it's just a few people at the top who seem to um, think austerity is the only answer. And I think we should learn the lessons of 2015 where austerity light um, just didn't cut it for the electorate. And, is it, you know, we're in a far worse position now um, in terms of NEC inf- um, what can the NEC do about infringements of the rule book? I think, you know, if, uh, Gemma should answer this question really, but, you know, you talk to NEC members, they're constantly raising these issues. It, you know, at least when I was on the NEC, you get an answer on something. I think emails are not even responded to by the general secretary. Questions are asked in meetings where um, the general secretary says, oh, I'll get back to you about on that and never does. There is no proper accountability and the NEC the majority of the NEC should be frankly ashamed of themselves in terms of the governance of, uh, you know, a great organisation. What should be a great organisation is absolutely shocking. And some of the things that came up at conference around that, you know, need to be amplified because it's not being, apart from anything else, <laughs> the, the party is not being managed properly. Um, so even, you know, people talk about Keir's managerialism, you know, you can't even, but what's the point, you know, is it incompetence or is it a political attack? It's, there's quite a lot of both. So um, I think we just keep raising the issues. We keep highlighting the cases. And I think there are, um, you know, lots of members getting together to challenge things legally. That's d- difficult. But, you know, the rule book is being ignored. But um, I don't think ordinary grassroots members or trade unionists you know, think that this is a good thing, you know, from across the political spectrum. So just have to keep highlighting it. And, you know, you can see in uh, like votes around rule changes for um, selections, you know, across the political spectrum, grassroots members want to select their own candidates. They are perfectly well placed to decide, you know, who from their community could best represent them in Parliament. And it's absolutely disgusting that they're not being allowed to do that, that the NEC is cherry picking this sort of favoured bag carriers to be parachuted in places. And we know from the you know, from the late 90s, this this ends in tears. We know from Blanau Gwent, from uh, the London mayor situation in 2000, from Falkirk East, where, you know, where where Labour members are denied the right to select the candidate of their choice. And you get some 
sort of bag carrier from Westminster um, parachuted in, voters will just, you know, will go away from the Labour Party. Um, so hopefully we won't need to learn those lessons the hard way again. And then um, Richard's sort of given a, a rousing sort of speech about why we stay in the Labour Party. I made a few remarks about it. I'll, I'll give you two more reasons. One is sheer bloody mindedness. They hate us being there and I'm quite happy to keep banging away about this because why would you vacate the space and make it easy for them? They would go a lot. The sort of neoliberal agenda would like to get full control of the Labour Party, break the link with the trade unions, get rid of all the left MPs and make it essentially a sort of liberal um, party where there's no members um, involved at all. Um, we could let that happen or we could actually link up with the bulk of members and trade unions and actually save it as a, a democratic party. Um, and the other reason that, you know, when you get those messages that say, why are we doing this again? <laughs> is this a, this is this a waste of time? And you think, no, there are hundreds and thousands of members all over the country. Um, you know, even hundreds of councillors who, you know, it's a struggle to stay as a councillor in this sort of environment, voting for the left candidates, doing the right thing in local government, trying to, um, you know, support children living in poverty to end homelessness. And, um, you know, you 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 see all these people and we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to make build a better society. And this is the best avenue to do it. Thanks, Rachel. Brilliant. Completely agree. Like about not giving in. Um, we've got time for just like if I take two more questions and then you combine that with just some closing comments and then we'll bring the meeting to a close. If that's all right. So the two that I've got is um, what is the best way to persuade the Labour Party leadership to stop doing U-turns in on supporting the picket lines as he did this week? And today we've seen 999 call handlers on strike. With RCM balloting, does that mean sectors not prone to strike have had enough? And what should the Labour front bench bench's position be on backing these workers? If you're happy to combine that, those sort of thoughts and questions into some, some short final comments, then we'll bring the meeting to a close. Richard? What was the, um, the second question on workers? Sorry, which workers was the question about? Uh, 999 uh, sorry <laughs> I completely misread the question and I got sent it sorry 999 call handlers okay. so people handling uh, emergency calls <laughs> um so with RTM balloting does that mean sectors not prone to strike have had enough and what should the Labour front bench position be on backing these workers okay well thanks for those questions I mean I think that um the whole question of the RMT strikes the communication workers union strikes uh, we see the RCN, the Royal College of Nurses, balloting. Uh, we see, you know, the UCU and other unions and Unite taking strike action. This is key to what the Labour Party is, founded by the trade unions. And obviously, I, would, I think the correct position for the Labour leadership to take is to support workers in struggle who are fighting back against exploitative bosses in a rotten Tory government. Obviously, that's my position. But if they don't do that, then I will do it anyway as will other left MPs and left councillors uh, across uh, the country, because it's a question of uh, principle. It's vital that as a Labour MP, I go to a p the picket line in my constituency, listen to workers on track. I was there the other day 
with the Communication Workers Union at the Royal Mail Depot in Seacroft in my constituency. It's important as an MP, I think, that I go and listen to what they've got to say about why they're on strike. It's also important that I show that I support them because politics just doesn't happen at every general uh, election. So what can we do to persuade the Labour leadership to support the strikes? Well, I think we should go on supporting uh, the strikes because in politics, often those at the top get the uh, the right answer eventually, but often they're the last ones to get the right answer. If we want the Labour leadership to support strikes, um, which of course you know we do, uh, then the, the thing that would make that most likely is to build the biggest possible mass movement inside the party and outside the party of solidarity with workers in struggle. We see the opinion polls where the public supports workers taking strike action to defend jobs, services, pay, terms and conditions. Um, but when I go to a picket line, it's not an attempt to persuade the Labour Party leadership to change its position. It's because I think that's the right thing for a socialist to do, whether an MP uh, or not. Uh, and I'll carry on uh, doing that. You know, solidarity is an important tool in our armoury as a movement as we go through this historic cost of living crisis. The question about the Royal College of Nurses, if they vote to strike, and of course we should uh, support them uh, taking strike action. They've only done this as a last resort, and workers only go on strike as a last resort. But in particular, nurses, if you look at the history, I think this is the first time in well over, well over 100 years well over its 100-year history, 160 years, I think, that the Royal College of Nurses is balloted for uh, strike action. They, they don't do that unless that's uh, the last resort. These are the people that we quite rightly applauded through the pandemic. They're keeping the NHS going, the most important uh, institution in our country's history, You know, the best example of socialist principles put into practice in our country's history. So we need to support them. Supporting our NHS workers is part and parcel of supporting our NHS because without our NHS workers, we don't have uh, an NHS. And of course, there will be right-wing stories, right-wing scare stories, uh, but where there have been uh, strikes uh, planned in the past in the NHS, then the health unions have always, and the workers have always turned their mind to ensuring uh, that urgent and emergency uh, care uh, go, goes ahead. Uh, you know, these things... Uh, are always taken into account as they uh, should be. And so let's carry on supporting workers in struggle because they're going to get demonised, whether it's the RMT or anyone else, by the right-wing press. We see the Tories threatening to bring in even more anti-trade union legislation to try and take away people's democratic freedom to go on uh, strike. We can't let them do that. We can't let them do that. It's so important that we support our unions in struggle because... You know, that's the public. They're representing uh, the public. Uh, they're representing the mass of working people and they're being attacked for standing up for what's right. And people have had enough uh, of this race to the bottom. People have had enough of this being slowly but surely, but now quicking up the pace, being turned into a kind of United States style economy with uh, low pay, next to no job security. Uh, and an attempt to crush trade unions. You know, people aren't having it uh, anymore, and it's quite right that we support them. It's essential that Socialist and Labour Party members would do so. Absolutely. Thank you, Richard. Um, Rachel, do you have any final comments? 
Yeah, I'm going to keep it brief because I have to get to my CLP meeting where we've got a resolution to donate to the um, CW strike fund. And, you know, that is exactly an example of, um, you know, what we can all be doing in our CLPs, bringing these issues in to back these workers. And yeah, um, 100% support for workers taking action. We've had 40 years, as Richard outlined, of, of neoliberalism. I know, you know, my own union, UCU, we're hoping to go back back on strike. I've lost a day's pay, you know, essentially in the last 10 years because of below inflation pay cuts and across the public sector. Certainly that's been the same. The NHS is, is on its knees, especially with um, COVID and, you know, the sort of backdoor privatisation. So, you know, I think the there's massive support across the labour movement, but I think there's massive public support. You know, people see what these workers are going through and and think it's, you know, grossly unfair that they're, they're not given the, the pay rises. And yet the profits and the bankers, you know, bankers bonuses now can go through the roof again. Um, profits are rising and we need massive redistribution. There's public support for it. And I think that will isolate the labour leadership unless they they get on board. And, um, you know, the, I think the numbers of people in the Labour Party who don't support these workers is actually quite small. Unfortunately, they're the people who are running the Labour Party at the moment. So um, we we need to make sure this is sort of the seen to be the position of the Labour Party locally, regionally, and um, hopefully we can uh, force a few more um, shadow cabinet members onto the picket lines because they have been seen there, you know, um, and I think that's what we actually need to consolidate our our poll lead and actually be seen to stand up for for ordinary people. So yeah, people have had enough, haven't they? And um, we need to get behind all these industrial disputes because these are the people fighting back, and that's that's where the fight is, and it's really necessary. Absolutely. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, um, Richard and Rachel, for your contributions tonight. I think everyone found them really rich and interesting um, and inspiring. And thank you to everyone who participated, sending in your questions or engaging um, throughout today's meeting. Um, please do take on board the action links, um, including by donating the link that's provided so that we can continue hosting these really important events uh, and following our media partner, uh, Labour Outlook, plus joining future events, including the Solidarity, Struggle and Socialism Conference in London on December 10th, which should be absolutely brilliant, which Sam plugged so well. Uh, we've heard just now about how important our campaign against the Tories reactionary agenda is and our work in Labour for socialist policies and Labour Party democracy which have to go alongside this and we have to keep fighting for members rights and a real policy alternative that puts people and planet first so now we have to build the resistance within and beyond Labour so let's do it together thank you for joining us tonight have a good evening rest of the evening everybody